Welcome to the Circular Innovation Podcast. Join us as we dive deep and explore the concept of circular innovation and how it's reshaping brands, technology, and operations. Welcome to the show. I'm your co-host, Richard Bliss, and you're listening to the Circular Innovation Podcast. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jessica Schistler, uh, co-founder and CEO of Maven Circular. And Nate Schistler, co-founder and chief Maven at Maven Circular. This is our first podcast um, of season one of the Circular Innovation. At Maven Circular, we're a consulting firm focused specifically in the re-commerce industry, creating branded re-commerce experiences. And in this episode, we're going to delve into the exception of, of the company, its mission to re- revolutionize the way brands engage with the secondary market. And you're going to share your visions, Nate and Jess, with uh, creating a more sustainable and accountable future for consumers. Yeah, that's right, Richard. So let's maybe just take a few minutes and introduce ourselves to the audience. So Jess, maybe share a bit about your background and then Yeah, sure. So I have about um, 15, 17 years um, within a within hmm, retail and supply chain focused specifically in the inventory control and risk management areas of the business. Um, I've worked with Nate for the past five years. Um, yeah, let's do a little bit of name dropping about who you've worked with in the past. <laughs> We've last, we, Nate and I both actually worked for Lululemon. That's how we met and that's kind of where our story started. Um, but prior to Lululemon, I worked for Target Canada. So the launch of the expansion into Canada, um, working in distribution operations. And um, prior to that, I was with uh, Walmart Canada. So just a few small, some, some small companies, some big boy retailers. Um, and I started my career with Pure Lighter Courier, which is uh, the largest carrier network in Canada. So think about UPS, um, but. In Canada, our largest uh, carrier network is is Purelater. So I worked yeah. in many different departments over there within engineering and operations, um, loss prevention at the beginning of my career. And um, a lot of what I bring to Maven Circular is um, attention to detail and really driving inventory flow accurately throughout all of the di- different systems um, when we're looking at integrations or if we're looking at just in general process flows. And for me, I you know, similarly, I started my career in logistics uh, for logistics at UPS here in, in the US um, and then moved into vertically integrated supply chain uh, working in forward warehousing and logistics for companies like Eddie Bauer, DHL Supply Chain, um, and, and then about seven years at Lululemon. All of that work kind of working at the intersection of operations and technology, um, you know, deploying enterprise uh, WMS systems and opening DCs and moving DCs. And, and really, even though I was working for a lot of big companies, almost always in kind of a startup environment because we're always doing these kind of unreasonable deadline projects. Um, and after about 17 years of doing that, um, we started our own consulting practice and, and that that initial iteration of our business was focused on kind of more traditional supply chain consulting, really process optimization. Um, and, you know, we both had worked on the Lululemon Like New project, uh, which is Lululemon's branded e-commerce program, and and saw an opportunity to kind of pivot and refocus the business uh, specifically in the area of, of what we're going to call brand certified e-commerce experiences. 
So I think an important distinction for our audience is that, you know, we don't really work in the space of third-party marketplaces. Um, so think like Facebook Marketplace, yeah. eBay, Poshmark. Thread up the real, real, right? And, and we don't really work in the space of, you know, peer-to-peer, which is also, uh, you know, taking place on some other branded marketplaces. Our focus is really on brand-certified re-commerce experiences where, where brands are launching um, a, an outlet channel for their their return goods and out-of-season goods. Yeah, and let's take that, uh, Nate, let's take that moment there to talk about exactly when we say re-commerce, there's many different aspects of that. And the audience sure. might be unfamiliar with that, or they might be, but they might be familiar only with one area because re-commerce uh, has certain, many different aspects to it, right? Let's yep. talk about that. Let's dive a little bit into what does that mean, re-commerce? Yeah, so if we were to take a step back, there's different elements of it, um, but a branded re-commerce channel if you were to think about e-com, is a relatively new channel in the past 10 years. They're selling product online. Um, this is a new channel that brands have um, gravitated towards. And, and we'll talk a bit about demand and, and why it's so important to have these programs um, in, in later episodes. But basically, um, it's, it's a sales channel, so additional revenue, for a brand to sell like new product. So if we were to take a step back, that is um, potentially a QA issue product coming from the manufacturer. So a thread pull or missing button or the color came out not as the designer has chosen. Um, there's a bit of that. There's um, there's sometimes, you know, out of season, you know, overstock, uh, you know, like liability inventory. Yeah. And, and then like. You know, the key being like it's like new, meaning it's not new. So we also get into the realm of used product and customer returns. So if yeah. you sent me, sent me something, I bought something online, you sent it to me, I didn't like it, and I put it in that little bag and I send it back. You got yeah. it. Sometimes it's worn. Sometimes there's a bit of lipstick on it or deodorant. Um, you can't sell that brand new to the next guest at full price. Okay. So this is an avenue that also touches on, you know, the the large increase that we saw through COVID with returns. So this is an exit strategy for brands also to address those returns without having to touch them and inspect them to put them in a new, put them back on the shelf for um, selling at full MSRP. And this is a way to exit that product in a way that is still authenticated through their branded trust and loyal um, loyalty programs and um, and sometimes they even have a buyback program or a trade-in program. So as a consumer, you can participate, bring in your product that you have from their brand and they'll buy it back from you and that product will also be seeded into that branded re-commerce program. Perfect. And you guys saw an opportunity to step in and address this issue. Yeah. So we, you know, what Nate was sharing, we, we, we did launch this with Lululemon and, you know, Nate has his deep knowledge in WMS, and I have some WMS knowledge as well, but I certainly have more knowledge in the ERP systems within finance. Um, so so those skills, but then we're also operators. So, you know, with the experience that we had and the demand that for these programs, really, there was a heavy push in, um, in about 2020, 2021 is really where there was a lot of momentum in this industry. You know, when we were you know, sitting in our office and trying to I, determine like, what do we, you know, where do we want to go in our careers? And we kind of had that conversation at the end of each year. And, uh, 
and we decided that we were going to pivot our um, traditional supply chain consulting into re-commerce. It's, you know, high demand. There's not a lot of experts in the industry. You know, there's a couple brands at the time, big brands, Patagonia, Lululemon, um, REI, that have launched these programs. And because we've launched it, we also felt the the pushback and we also got to identify what wasn't working or what could have been done better um, through like a lessons learned and then apply it to the next brand. And we didn't necessarily want to work for a brand to do this again and again. Um, and that's really where, you know, we we felt that our skills were going to be better placed with supporting many brands at the same time um, and focus our our consulting firm in that direction. Yeah, Richard, I, I think the key is that, um, you know, it's the businesses that service this industry. So the technology companies and the operators and and investors that are that are backing technology companies serving the industry, um, they're all startups. They're all new, and in a very quickly, like very rapidly growing sales channel. And and what was missing at the time, and still frankly is is missing today, is um, is really independent sources of advice and you know consultative management practices. You know each each. Uh, platform company that's servicing re-commerce, they think that their approach is the best approach and and they're providing, you know, through a consultative sales process. But there's not an independent voice. Well, there wasn't until we started Maven Circular. There wasn't an independent voice providing expertise to brands who want to launch these programs, you know, advising the platform companies that that are building technology to service these programs and, and the operators who are who are running, you know, these manual kind of single skew logistics on on the back end on their behalf? There, there had to be some challenges that that, that organizations were facing, the industry is facing to prevent this from being an easy solution. Yeah, yeah, I think the, um, you know, there's a bit of, I guess, a an, a, an ironic truth to e-commerce, which is that while the idea uh, of a, a e-commerce experience, which is really just a digital outlet experience. While that is that is a a new and and growing sales channel, um, when you look at the bottom of the supply chain of that sales channel, it is people doing complex manual labor all day. Uh, you don't have the opportunities for automation and assistive robotics and a lot of the technologies that are being deployed today in in modern warehousing. They're not applicable or relevant to the e-commerce space, and so the biggest challenge that that we identified very quickly is is a disconnect between the brands that want to launch these programs, the technology companies building, you know, the solutions solutions to service them, and the op, you know the operators understood it in some cases, but technology platforms and brands didn't really understand that the reality of this program and the processes supporting this program are incredibly manual. So how do you devise, you know, processes that are friendly to that environment? And that's a bit of a, a lost art in the warehousing space as we move towards high volume, high throughput forward logistics operations. Recommerce operations really take a step back and, and are operating in a world of highly manual, you know, discretionary decision making at the individual level. And so 
finding ways to bridge that gap between those parties is, is what we found a lot of success in helping brands launch programs like this. And also, I would say the complexity behind a program is, you know, if you were seven years ago, 10 years ago, deciding as a brand that you were going to launch an e-commerce um, channel, you would do that all internally. You would definitely, you know, bring in consultants and supporting on how you were going to create that. But you were doing it yourself where this love this channel is real complex and it's um and the technology brands don't want to be creating a technology when you know they're when they're trying to sell product and so outsourcing the technology and the sales platform mm -hmm. and outsourcing the operations really creates a, a really nice and clean operation for the entire program um it also is great um when you're looking at running a pilot on how how these specialized um, vendors run the program and determine if you do want to bring it in-house because you know we we have worked with a couple brands in the past that want that were really keen on doing it in-house and it you know they later learned that it's incredibly challenging um, and incredibly expensive when you're creating technology that you know is it's it doesn't exist today it doesn't exist in it at least in the native form for off-the-shelf right. enterprise applications. Well, you so we. Well, I was going to say you also, I think, uh, identify some other things because I, I'm an uninformed consumer, right? I'm out there, I don't know very much, and I see, I see um, piles of clothing in third world countries of the cast offs. I see all these these issues, and so you identified a lot of challenges, um, but there was a little bit. I think lack of transparency was one of them that we you had mentioned earlier to me. What, what yeah. does that mean? Yeah, I mean, there's. Um... You know, there's increasing demand from consumers around transparency in the supply chain of, of all goods and, and not just in the fashion and apparel space. And so that is one of the, the kind of market forces that um, that is motivating brands. I mean, look, let's be real honest about it. R big brands today, somebody in that organization is terrified of their brand label showing up on one of those documentaries that looks at these in horrific oil, landfill right. sites, right? That every big brand out there has someone in their organization who is afraid of that moment happening. And so there is definitely a race to um, provide that kind of end-to-end -end life cycle accountability for their products. But then the other, you know, there's, there's also a transparency, you know, as Jess mentioned, almost all these programs are outsourced almost exclusively. And because they're being outsourced to operators and organizations that are doing these highly manual processes, there's also a lot of transparency issues between the brand and their servicing vendor. And so, you know, being able to come in and like help an operator or help a platform company adjust their process or modify their technology a little bit so that they can provide more granular transparency back to the brand who can then satisfy that desire of their, you know, their customer base to understand where every single unit is coming from and where it's going and what its, you know, life cycle is. Because that's been increasingly important to everyone as we, all of yes. us, as we're consuming, becoming, I gotta admit, every time I, this is silly, every time I pull out a Ziploc bag, I'm like, do I really need to use this piece of plastic right yeah. now? That's not, an, I'm not going to return it. For the, but it, but it's making us all much more conscious of the purchasing decisions that we're having on the impact around the world, and we see that that happening. Um, and you guys 
Go ahead, Jess. We certainly, you know, there's um, there's a whole department in most large businesses that work specifically in sustainability. And this is typically an avenue for sustainable processes and sustainable programs and actually having a a sustainable supply chain when it comes to end of life. Um, You know, the, the what we focus on isn't necessarily the end of the end of life for a product. We're we're focused in this space of how do we extend the life and how do we support the brand go from one family to five different families for that one piece of product. Um, there's certainly a, a, a heavy um, level of influence that we have felt all through different media sources around the environment and how fashion and textile in general impacts um, the environment and and just decisions on what type of fabric are you using and and all of that. And that's all really important stuff when it comes to how do you break it down. Um, and an and element of that is how can we extend the life of a high quality good to make money for the brand a second time, a third time around to a, another consumer. Yeah, and I think that's the opportunity that you identified and you can make a, a significant difference in... Uh in the world. I mean, it's not very often that we wake up in the morning and say, you know, let's start a business where we change the world. And in some ways, <laughs> Maven Circular, it feels like that, that you have stepped up and said, we can make a difference in the world. And right, that every brand you work with, every solution you arrive at is literally having an impact, even though it's a small ripple, over time, yep. it's going to continue to have a bigger and bigger impact. It's pretty yeah. impressive to see something like that coming out of a, as you said, a, as a, a company that started with the two of you identifying a challenge and then stepping out to uh, to find a solution, and to build a solution. Yeah, I wouldn't. So we don't we don't have a solution to sell. We're matchmakers, so we we work very closely um, with technologists who are creating the solution. So you know we're we have influence in what the solution looks like. Um, and and we partner with the operations to to s- simplify and optimize their very hands-on process, um, which typically in the industry is considered vast, um, which is value-added service, right? A value-added service. So you're doing something specific to a specific item that you just can't um, you can't scale. You can't make something go faster. You can't inspect. At a, and you can't scale 100 units at the same time. You're you're inspecting one unit at a time. Um, and then the brand themselves. So sometimes we're working with brands and, and creating what their vision is mm-hmm. for a program like this and, and teasing out business requirements and technical requirements. And then um, and the last element that we support is, um, and, and Nate, you kind of focus more in this area, is just working with um, like venture back and, yeah, due diligence on behalf of uh, of investors who are you know financially supporting startups in the space, but yeah. it it is um, it is pretty exciting when you, you know when we take a moment and come up for air and realize that you know that due diligence project that we did for an investor can result in an investment in a startup that, in their own way, is to your point, Richard, making small waves, but but hopefully increasingly larger waves and and um, you know, we we're very excited to be in that space, and I think particularly excited about how quickly we can 
you know, become effective for a new client. I think that's really part of our value proposition is that we don't really need a lot of time to ramp up. We've pretty much seen everything there is to see in this space and, and not too many things are, are coming up as new in our client engagements. And so, um, you know, that's probably our strongest value proposition is just that ability to kind of hit the ground running and, and, and make a little bit more of a difference every day. Well, I know I certainly am looking forward to, to this season as we uh, meet on a regular basis to kind of talk about the challenges, uh, opportunities, and expand on this. And so this is uh, certainly going to be something well worth participating in and listening to. Mm-hmm. So Nate, Jess, thank you for uh, making this happen. And for to our audience, you're listening to the Circular Innovation Podcast. I'm Richard Bliss, co-host, joined by Jess and Nate. And we are going to be talking about the e-commerce and the circular economy as we move forward in the episodes. Be for sure to join us. We appreciate you listening. Thanks again. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Circular Innovation Podcast. Join us again as we continue to explore and unravel the complexities of circular innovation.